your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. It's amazing that I, yeah, it just, like I said, I, I and I kept having those, like, and I feel so stupid for saying, like, for telling you that story. And then within two years being like, I'm so tired and burnt out and all that, that felt really selfish to say all those things. I just think it's natural human emotion. And if I just keep, and I kept it in my head, like, you know, you're meant to do this. Like, you know, you're meant to keep going. So stop feeling like that. Um, so yeah, it just, I'm in such a good place right now. I can't believe one, the emotional roller coaster the past two years have been, but two, that I'm still standing. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySight One Day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear One Days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say, parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice not fear of the disease associations with myopia is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Vision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA-approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I am here today with one of my dearest friends. I know I say that a lot, but I really mean it. Uh, Dr. Haley Perry. She's from um, Asheville, North Carolina. She's the owner of Elite Eye Care there in Asheville, North Carolina. I've been looking forward to this time to sit in and talk with her for quite a while. And I'm, I'm really happy you finally gave me the chance to get you on the podcast, Haley. Thank you for being here today. I am so honored. You have no idea. Well, uh, that honor definitely is mine. And uh, I'm the, I'm the winner in the steakhouse on this one. I can promise you that. Um, but today, uh, it's it's really fun because this isn't just going to be a this is going to be a lot of fun just you and I sitting down and having a talk because we don't haven't gotten to see each other a lot lately. We used to see each other quite frequently, and with all the on again off again vid stuff that's been happening, um, we hadn't had a chance to sit down and chit chat. So, unfortunately uh, for everybody, they're going to get to hear a backside of our conversations a little bit. But I am going to have a little bit more than just us talking about liquor drinks and having a big time. So. <laughs> Yes, yes. That that is the that is the phrase that I learned from you, and I'm so happy that I learned that one because it's a it's a really great uh, great phrase. So, and people used all the time until 
Intel Vision Source. So yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So uh, to give you a little bit of a background, actually, no, I want you to give a little bit of background. Uh, what's your origin story? How did you end up where you're at right now? Oh my gosh, that is a loaded, loaded, loaded question. Um, so I went in practice. So graduated. I always knew I wanted to go into private practice. Um, I was all about the career first. Uh, didn't really want to be a mom. Um, went into, so graduated. Wait well, a minute. You, you didn't want to be, a, you're a fantastic mom. You didn't want to be a mom? I did. I was all about the career. I was very, very, very career driven. And the whole kid thing was completely an accident. My husband and I had been married for three years, but um, yeah, total surprise. I had to, um, I had to go off of my birth control pills because some of the problems that I was having and they were, you know, all the, the whole like, be careful thing. And then, you know, I just kind of had that feeling of like, that's not going to happen to me. And it totally happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, graduated in 2005 from UAB had my daughter, so graduated, sold a house, bought a house, started, you know, the first big girl job, um, had a kid, all of that within six months. And that was, let's see, 2005, that was in college, um, 2009, I don't even know what year it is. So 2009 was when all that happened. Um, and then uh, started in practice with a guy in my hometown and ended up um, buying a satellite office from him a couple years later, so 2011. And um, Kurt Steele, our buddy Kurt Steele, got me into Vision Source sometime around 2012, I think. And then, um, yeah, uh, so I made every mistake in the book uh, as far as practice ownership goes. Uh, ended up buying a second practice in 2014 when I had my second kid. I only have practices or start practices whenever I'm also having a child. That's a thing. Um, and uh, let's see. So second practice then ended up merging them both together into one really good practice. And um, so that's where I'm at right now. Elite Eye Care is my one really good practice. So, so now how far apart were the two practices to begin with? They were, I would say, according to my account, eight country miles apart. So eight country miles. Okay. Nothing, nothing between the two of them, but country. So. Right. But you were still relatively close in it. And I guess having them so close made a lot more sense just to put them in one place. Did you, did you put one, did you bring one of the practices into the other practice or did you merge them both in somewhere completely different? I, so the first one that I bought, so I, like when I say I've made every mistake in the book, it was truly like, I didn't know what I was doing when I bought it. I didn't look at the records. I didn't think about the location. I just thought it's an existing practice out in the country. And um, it was a destination practice. Like people were, to leave work and get there and then go back to work would have taken 45 minutes of their time just by itself. Um, and then the second practice I bought was on like a, one of the busiest streets in Nashville and um, very easy to get to and, you know, leave work, get, get your exam, go back to work very all within, you know, a short period of time. So um, I merged the first one into the second one. So what was it that convinced you that having a second practice was a good idea. I mean, because you, you know, you've got this other one. I mean, would it have been smarter just to, I mean, I, I you see what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's a lot of people would have given up. Why did yeah, you well, decide I'm just not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. Why didn't I give up? I don't know why I didn't give up. I, I, I don't like to fail at things, I guess. Um, but I, the first one was just so, so bad. And I literally bought the second one thinking this will save the first one. And it just was kind of serendipity. It was another vision source practice that had decided she had lost her passion for being a practice owner and, and wanted to sell. And it just kind of all happened at the right time. Um, it was pretty close and uh, to, to the first one. I never, I never had the thought that I would merge the first one into the second one. I just thought, I've got a lot of debt to overcome with this first one. And this second one will help me overcome the debt for the first one, which was all the wrong thinking, but it, it all just kind of worked out. I don't know. I also, I have a lot of faith and I really think I've seen God's hand in everything that I have done. And that was one of those things where like, I, I am supposed to be here doing this thing because every time it was supposed to fail, it didn't. And, and it, and so 
I can't blame that on anybody else. So, well, you know, there's a, a fair amount of, uh, success despite me in my life too. So I understand what you're saying with that. I mean, and I, I again, I see God's hand in multiple, multiple things that are happening in my life, practice, business, et cetera you know, that I'm thinking, wow, I can't believe I actually got through. Oh, that's why. Cause I had nothing to do with that. You know? So yes, I understand. I totally understand. Um, so was Aaron doing uh representative work at this time as well already, or was this something he got into after you got into practice? So Aaron, um, he started when I bought the practice from the first guy, he, was my business manager. And in doing that, we came home and that's all we talked about was eyeballs. And it was going so poorly. You know, the funny thing about that is he wrote the checks and everything as far as our, our, um, to income to our household. And he would only write the check to me and he never wrote himself a check. And that was his thing was I never paid him. He always said that I never, I don't pay. (laughs) Um, so when things weren't going well, and I've, and I've told Kurt Steele this a lot because he is the one who got me involved with, with Vision Source to begin with. I'm like, you really like kind of saved my life in a lot, in a lot of ways, like that practice, he saved the practice because I, I don't think if I hadn't been a part of Vision Source, I would have been able to have survived the parts that I did. And, and so that just the exchange of ideas and all of that really helped a lot. Um, but then Kurt's wife, Sasha was working for um, a company called Focus Labs and um, it just kind of came up that he, we were at the exchange together and things were not very good for us. And we had a lot of debt. Like when I say a lot of debt, like credit card companies were calling us, like we could not pay our bills. And um, Sasha introduced Aaron to um, Greg Ride out with Focus Labs and ended up, he got offered this job. And it was, it was again, at the right time because we had really no other income at that point. Like I was not really, I wasn't paying myself hardly anything. I was just trying to pay bills for the office. Um, and so he got that job and, um, that was working for, for them, which was great because he did not love working with his wife. (laughs) So, um, it, that was, that was great for our marriage, great for income for our household, all the things. So he's, that's, uh, after that, he then moved into, um, another sales position with a completely out of eye care. And then now he is with Essilor working for, he's our territory rep in, in North Carolina, Western North Carolina now. Wow. Bonus. You got somebody right there to take care of all your problems with the lab. Yeah, exactly. Except I told him, I was like, I get way less Starbucks now that you're my rep than when the other guy was. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, maybe I need to do a podcast with Aaron at some point too, but I, I would, what kind of lessons have you learned that the rest of us should know after being married to someone who's worked with a company that calls on doctors. That's interesting because I I kind of in doing my admin stuff this morning had the thought of like, cause I was sitting at the table and he was sitting right here talking, having his call with his boss. And um, I just was kind of listening to, they, they deal with a lot. Like we're high, we can be really high maintenance. Now, one of my core values in my practice is caring presence. And that means whoever comes in the store, patient, rep, whoever, like I'm going to give you some of my time. I'm, if I, if I can, I'm gonna give you some of my time. I am not too good to see anybody or talk to anybody. So right. I, I, I like to think that I am not one of those high maintenance doctors, except I would like for you to bring me Starbucks sometimes. <laughs> Even if it's just to the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so like, just, just thinking about some of the things that they have to deal with as far as like, um, we like to be impressed and that, and that's great, but, um, it just seems really high. A lot of it seems really high maintenance and I, and I feel bad for them about that. But so what, what do doctors need to know? We need to know that they're humans too. Obviously mistakes can get made. Um, and you just, I don't know. I think it, uh, it, relationships are important, but like, don't be so high maintenance. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, you know, one of the things I, and I've tried to remember this again, I'm, 
I hope I'm not high maintenance. I try not to be high maintenance, put it that way. Um, but one of the things I try to keep reminding myself is these people are our partners too, because, you know, it, they're supplying hopefully great product that I'm going to take care of my guest with. And in turn, what I'm doing for them is making them look good with their bosses and so on and so on, you know, so hopefully we can work out a partnership together that will be mutually beneficial for both of us, you know, yeah. and, and actually, if I could really be downright truthful about it, if I could make it where it's really a little bit more advantageous for them, that would even be better. I mean, that's not necessarily saying I'm going to try and cut my nose off to spite my face, but if I'm thinking in that mode of, I'm going to try and make sure that this deal is kind of a little bit better for them than it is for me. We really truly do both win that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you think about, I, I mean, I have friends who are in practice that they don't want to see reps ever. And then I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a friend from, from optometry school who's talking to me about NeuroLens. Oh no, she, we, we just, the, the topic came up in conversation and I was, she was asking me a question about like, what would you do for this patient? And I don't have NeuroLens in my office, but I know of NeuroLens. I've talked to them before and, you know, cause I've given them my time. It's just not something I've been able to, to implement yet. And um, so I knew about it and I was telling her like, you should consider NeuroLens, but she had no idea what it was. And it like, there were several things with that particular person that I know she doesn't have time air quotes to, to talk to patients, to, to reps at all. And, um, it's like, well, you know, if you would just, if you would just listen, if you would just, you know, take a second out of your day, you, I know it seems like they, they may feel like they're annoying you. They're trying to sell you something, but if you, if you don't listen to these people, then you're not knowing about some of the latest, like, I don't have time to read all those mag, every magazine that comes across my desk. I'd like to, but I don't have time to look at all those things. And so I'm gonna give you five seconds of my time more, obviously, but like, I want to, I want to hear what this person says. And if it values, if it's a value to my patient, then yeah, it can be mutually beneficial, but we miss out. We miss out on a lot of things. I think when we just shut the door and act like we don't have enough time for that. Totally agree. I completely agree. Um, I, I wanted to hear that from, cause I know you get to hear a lot from Aaron, you know, blankety blank doc down the street was, you know, just not really giving me the time. I'm trying to do everything I can to help them out, help her out. And they're just not letting me help them, you know? And I, I think that's really important that we do understand again, they're partners of ours. And like I said, so I think that's really important. That we have that. Um, you love people. I do love people. Uh, you do love people. <laughs> How has that been uh, something that's been great for your practice? How has it been great for my practice? So, um, I was talking last night, so this kind of ties into like, um, I've had like the private equity purchasing of practices on my mind recently. And last night, um, my vision source group, we were talking about, it's been a pretty dark couple years for me as far as COVID. I lost my office manager. And so I had a lot of things thrown onto my plate and life as a private practitioner felt very difficult. Um, mostly because I was really trying to do more than I should have by myself. I should have delegated better, but I, but I didn't. Okay. We're going to circle back to that part in just a second. Okay. So in doing that though, I, I had lost some of the passion that, uh, you know, that I had had for this. And I, 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 I considered selling, I mean, private, I mean, these private equity groups are coming with a lot of money, you know what I mean? And everybody's circling, they're a bunch of vultures, everybody's circling. And so when I really thought about it, I love to sit and talk to these patients. Like I want to know you and how's your mama been? How's little so-and-so, how's, how's little junior soccer games going? what's going on with your mama's cancer treatments? Like, I want to know, like, tell me, you know, I, I listen and I get to know these people and I love that. Like I live for that. And if you were going to tell me that I could only be with a patient for a certain amount of time, that just kind of, is just against everything that I am. You know what I mean? Like, I just, like, I really love people. And so that was where I had that coming to Jesus moment of keep going because you're meant to be right here. And so I, I had some, you know, 
like I said, some, a lot of changes mentally over the past few months. And I had apologized to my vision source group, even because I was like, I don't know if I've brought my best self to this group in the past two years, but I was like, I feel like I'm better now. <laughs> I got an office manager now. Um, so that's, that's been a huge help, but I do love people and I love, um, I just love taking the time to be able to devote to them and, and listen. And I think that the other thing too, is like, I like to meet people where they are and you got to get to know somebody to do that. And, and that's where I think it affects treatment outcomes and, um, their trust in me. There's just a lot about that that I think is important as a, as a doctor. So where are times that it becomes a little bit more of a hurdle for you though? You definitely get a long-winded patient and I can totally be long-winded too, if you can't tell from all this talking. <laughs> um, but that's where I think I, I have to surround myself. I'm really big into the Enneagram. You and I have talked about the Enneagram right. before. And um, I have to surround myself with people that really value punctuality <laughs> because it's not that I don't value it, but it's just not my number one. So my team is very good at kind of stepping in and giving me cues that I need to shut up and move on. Well, how do they, how do they let you know you it's time? Okay. What's it's ready. Come on. Let's go on. Dr. Perry. We gotta go. Just I'm in the office and they're giving me like, Dr. P, how you doing? Dr. P, how you doing? Dr. P, how you doing? And then like the ultimate is a step in to like, act like they're doing a handoff to take the patient to the next room or whatever. <laughs> How many times has that happened and you haven't even gotten to the exam yet? Um, not to the exam part. Not, not, not too many, not okay. too many. <laughs> because that has happened to me once or twice, at least in my life. <laughs> you know what I love too? I love, you can tell that you love people too. They're your guests. I just love it that you call them your guests. I feel like such a, I don't know. I'm just. I'm definitely a different class of doctor because I don't call my patients and guests. I just love that about you. Well, see, this kind of surprises me though, because one of the things that you do try to say is that your practice is going to give a Disney experience of eye care. Yes. Yes. They're my, and they're guests. And that's and I where should, I got that. And I should be a cast member <laughs> or something to that. Yeah. Fact. So, so well, let's talk about how, how do you take that concept of Disney experience and put it to your practice? So when I, when I'm interviewing you to work in my office, I mean, if I cannot, pay, I can't pay you a million dollars, but I can promise you good culture. Like we are going to love, we're going to get to know each other. Caring presence extends to each other too. So we're going to get to know each other and we're going to lift each other up. We're going to get to know these patients. We're going to get to know these reps um, wait, I already got sidetracked squirrel. Go back to get, tell me the question one more time. <laughs> how, how are you going to have your practice emulate the Disney experience? Oh, okay. Yeah. So you have to get to know these people really, really well in order to make them feel loved and, um, but also valuing their time. So the punctuality aspect there too. Um, I'm right next to Walmart. I'm one exit down from a lens crafters. There's a private practice two miles from my office. office. Um, I have to differentiate myself. And where I think we really shine on that in my office is the relationship aspect. Um, if I have a patient concierge now whose job is to really not, she's, she has a phone there, but she is not to answer it. She's not supposed to be on the phone at the front desk. And I want her to be the manager of patient experience in the front. Like if, if I get long winded with this other guy, then she knows she's supposed to be offering, would you like some water? Can I get you a cup of espresso? Um, we haven't graduated to like the candy bar thing. I think I had a friend in Chicago that, that used to, you know, give out all kinds of things like that, but, um, we're getting there, but, um, yeah, I think just, just really this way that I talk to you is also how I talk to my patients. Like I'm not the I know better than you kind of doctor. Like I want you to feel like I'm your little sister, your, you know, girl next door and that you trust me. And then that's where I know you and you can't talk to other doctors like this because they don't know you as well as I do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. So the relationship side of things probably is the bigger part of it. 
um, the making sure also that your guests are taken care of in a way that they want to be taken care of and you're taking um, their wants and needs into account before you act. Yeah. So like practically speaking, like everybody, we have a huddle every morning before we start patient care. And so we go through every patient, like, so, because we want to make sure we know what specifically each person is coming in for. Let's not miss a test that they should have had this, you know, that we intended for them to have this time, that kind of thing. But we also talk about like, so you remember she was having her cancer treatment done and she was feeling really sick last time. So if she needs a soda, let's just make sure we, you know, we're prepared for that or um, any little nuance like that. Or let me try to think like, or we had a chef who won an award and we wanted to make sure he knew that, you know, that he, that we knew about that and congratulations. And so we're going through those little details of what we know about their lives as well as what the patient care experience is going to be like too. So. So without stalking them, how are you finding this information out? Well, and I mean, it's, you know, like I think the chef thing came across like a newspaper article that was on Facebook or something like that. So yeah, I'm not stalking them. Although that's a good idea. That'd be a really good experience to know, <laughs> Hey, I know that you need sunglasses because you look like you like to hike on Facebook. <laughs> You're outside a lot. <laughs> You were talking earlier about the last two years and really taking on a lot on your own shoulders and then how you transitioned out of that. You, I mean, part of that, again, is bringing on this, this new person for your team, but how did you realize you were doing too much and how did you transition into the, uh, not to getting someone else to take care of it for you? I was miserable absolutely just really really not I had lost the joy of what this is like and um the person who had been with me the longest her name is Raven she's um she had said to me several times because I was getting ready to hire a patient concierge she's like if you're next step if you're only going to hire one more person you don't need to do that you need an office manager she'd said that to me several times and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, but I really need this other person first. Um, so anyway, it kind of got to this point where I had felt like I had really dropped the ball a couple times. And this was in fourth quarter last year, like somewhere November-ish. Um, so not that long ago. And she finally came to me and she was like, I basically told me like, she wanted to do this. She's ready to go with this. And I thought, what have I got to lose? I, I'm going to do this and it's going to work or I'm done with everything. And that's where I found the value of an office manager because I mean, I'm, I'm, I've booked, I'm booked out probably close to a couple, a couple months now. So like we're busy, like my office is busy and in doing being a, that busy, and also expecting yourself to be able to do all of the administrative tasks that it takes to run a practice at the level that I want it to run at. And it was not, that's the thing too. It was not performing at that Disney level of experience. If I get a bad review or whatever, like it just ugh, crushes me, like crushes me. So I think some of those, you know, maybe a couple bad reviews sometime around then and feeling all the stress of the administrative stuff is what really kind of was like, it's, it's time to do something different. And so, and in, and in bringing her on, and there's a lot of trust there with somebody like that, you know, you have to really, they have to know, or at least that's how I feel. Like I have to know that she's got my back and I'm also going to have hers, but it's a hard, it's hard to give all of that up. Um, I had only ever had one other office manager in my, in my life and COVID happened and she got another opportunity and she, and she took it. And so that was a, my first sort of letdown as far as um, being a practice owner, I, I, you know, having somebody that you trust that much and then them not being there anymore. Um, and then two years of trying to do it yourself. It was, it was hard to be like, okay, I'm going to trust you to do this. But that was one of my goals for this year was to trust God and trust Raven. <laughs> I wrote that down in January as my new year's resolution. And I showed it to her. She's going to laugh when she hears that. So how did you, um, how did you actually transition yourself into 
letting someone do stuff for you? I would say we're still sort of going through that right now. And it's just little, it's little things like, um, what happened recently? There was something where I was like, oh, I know what it was. I wanted to appoint a brand manager for my practice. And one of the staff members that I have, um, she used to be in in merchandising. And I was like, she'd be a great brand manager. So I told my office manager, I want, what do you think about her being a brand manager? And she's like, that's great. That sounds great. Yeah, let's do that. I'm like, okay, cool. So the next week I come back, I hadn't heard anything about it. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what's going on. So I bring it up again to the person I want to do it. I want you to be my brand manager. And she's like, well, the office manager has already told me that. And I've already started doing all the training videos. It's one of those things where I am getting used to, oh, you've already done that. Like, I'm not used to that, you know? So I'm definitely still letting go of my grip some. So I don't know if I have all of the, um, the best advice on how to do that. Cause I'm still learning how to do that. What do you think's your, what do you think is your uh, strongest suit in delegating? And what do you think is your weakest suit in delegating? I am such a builder. I really, I really believe in people. I really believe in people, but I also expect for people to let me down. <laughs> so that's really, I am going to do my best to, to build you up. I want to help you achieve all your dreams. Like let's, let's, let's do this. And then also like, like, you know, just questioning the fact that I had said something needed to get done and then just questioning that it it was going to get done. Um, I have a hard time letting go, but I'm getting better. That's a, that's a a sign of a good, a a good leader is going to trust that people are actually going to do what they're supposed to do. And then they're going, their practice is going to grow without them having to have their hands in everything. And I'm definitely still got my hands in too many things. So I'm, I'm trying to back it up. So you're still, you're still transitioning from working in the practice to working on it. Um, really truly become a business owner where you're owning the business as opposed to it owning you. Yes. Where you got 100. a really, really uh, high level job basically is what you have. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yes. And I would say that last year I definitely had that vibe that the business was owning me. And then this year, I've already set out because, you know, if you think about it, I, I was talking to my team and I was like, you guys get two weeks, three weeks, however many years they've been there. You guys get that, that many days off. And when I think about the days I have off, I don't get that many days off because if I'm not there, because I'm in solo practice right now, but I'm kind of in the works of trying to hire more. But like, if I'm not there, then the practice isn't making any money. So I have truly felt tied to being there. But I also think that that can lend itself to burnout. And so that's where I was like, I am dedicating that I am taking off, like not doing conferences, not going, not, I'm not taking this day off to go to a meeting. Like I'm taking days off to do Haley stuff for two weeks this year. So that's different. I've never done that before. So I'm learning. So you're going to do that all at once? Or are you going to spread it out over the year or how are you going oh, to do did, that? Like taking off a Thursday when I'm not working on a Friday and I am definitely spreading it out throughout the year because I don't want a big chunk of lost revenue. I still have to think about practice, but I'm also hoping I can hire another doctor to be there when I'm not there. But I'm, I want just, I want to push on you just a tiny bit here. So okay. what would have to be true for you to take off two weeks in a row without having to find that other doctor? I would have to wait, 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 wait. When you say without having another doctor, you mean like, yeah, I mean, I mean like it's still just you. I mean, cause you're telling me right now you can't take off two weeks in a row and I'm betting you can, but I want you to tell me what you think would have to be true in order for you to take those two weeks off and still not have that other doctor in the office? I would have to have two weeks worth of revenue saved up to pay the bills, money in the bank. Okay. So how could you possibly do that? 
I am getting ready to attend the business of optometry meeting in Houston next weekend. <laughs> Mick Kling, I'm ready for you to tell me how to do that. <laughs> so Mick and Lori have got all your answers. Uh, for, yeah. yeah so, okay. All right. That's fair enough. I, I still think there's, I still think if you've sat just knowing you and how inventive you are, I bet you could figure out how to come up with two weeks of income without having to put in two weeks of extra work to get there. Well, that, that I mean, I will say that, and I got a lot of pushback on this from people, but I think it's just, so during COVID, um, I had to quarantine a few times, um, sometime in 2020. And I learned that that whole synchronous experience where I was on a computer screen, talking to the patient real time, pick my, I have the Epic system. So they were, they could be refracted remotely. I did Optimap images. I did, um, we have the Marco, Oh gosh, what's that camera called that goes on the slow lamp? Um, but little iPhone thing. Yeah. Anyway, we um I, I saw patients virtually. Like I could go somewhere and see pa- right now. I have not, so this is a very valid point. I have not given myself the amount of time to think and dream about a question like that. And that's where now I'm realizing and having this conversation with you that I have not done that. But I would say last year. I truly did not, with all the things I had taken on, I didn't feel like I had the time to sit and dream. And this year I'm giving myself the grace and time to do that, to try things, to make mistakes. So you've inspired me by asking that question. So, so basically what you're saying is that you're working too much to make money. Yes. You get in the rat, the rat, it's a, the rat race, right? Is that it? what it is? Rabbit yeah. race, rat race, rat race, rat race. Yeah. You get in that where you're just on the wheel, you're spinning your wheels. And I mean, it's not, it's not all about money. I, I I'm not, I want everybody, you know, it, I mean, it's nice. It's nice having it. It sure does make it a lot better having it than not having it. But, but at the same point, I think that, and I see this in a lot of our colleagues, they think they just can't take off you know, and, um, that's where you start getting into that point where you've, you don't have a business. You just have a really, really intense job. Yeah. Well, that's where, and I'm, I, I think about where I, where I have been in these past two years with COVID. And I think like, I can't be the only one, like I can't have thought with having to close your business. We had, we closed for two months here in Western North Carolina and, I can't be the only one that felt like they had a lot to overcome by having had to do that and felt like they were in that and, and maybe even considered, you know, how many practices are we losing from private practice to private equity groups, that kind of thing. Like, I just think I I can't have been the only one that had all of those feelings. And I just, but again, like the thought of making that transition to, to somebody telling me what to do to some, while I would have, it would have been that glorified job. You know what I mean? Like at least, at least now I have this time to be able to sit and think, well, I've never thought about that, Ted. Like I need to go dream about how I'm going to make two weeks or, you know, how can I still make money for two weeks and take two weeks off? Um, but if I were just working for somebody, that wouldn't even be a question you could ask me, you know? So I just think, uh, I'm just, really glad that I'm still here doing what I'm doing. Cause I really, really love this. I really, I'm a great dreamer. I'm great at dreaming, terrible implementation though, but great at dreaming. Well, do you so, have anybody in the office that implements really well that, that completes you to use a Jerry Maguire kind of, uh, type, yes. type of thing? Yeah, totally. Now, I, I, I do. And they were always there. It was just that whole let go thing. So, so you're a control freak who doesn't finish stuff. Yes. yes. That's a great combination. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the same way. So I, I know exactly how you feel. Um, yeah. You were talking about your team and I, it seems like most, I'm not gonna say all prices, but most practices have a miss somebody in their practice. I was looking at your website earlier and you have a miss Jennifer. I've got a miss Brenda and a miss Nora or Noreen. Wait. Is that on my practice on yeah. my website? Yeah. Jennifer? Yeah. You got a miss Jennifer on there. So tell me about, 
tell me about your Miss Jennifer and what she's what she has been for your practice in the past. So Miss Jennifer is my mother-in-law. <laughs> nice. So at the time we had a Jennifer. So when we when the practice started, we had a, a Jennifer who was the office manager at the time. And then we had and Jennifer, that Jennifer was like in her 40s. And then we have Miss Jennifer, who's in her 60s. It's <laughs> my mother-in-law. So that's how the Miss Jennifer came about. Um, so she's my my mother, my, my mother-in-law, and she does our insurance. And she actually does it from home. This is like her retired job where we fax her the checks and EOBs that we get in the mail and she posts them and sends out statements and stuff like that. So and so she beats up all the uh, people who don't pay you, basically. Right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, I was just interested because, like I said, you know, that's kind of a, that's, uh, that may be more of a Southern thing. There's always, it seems like every practice has got to miss somebody in their practice. And I think it's part of it is the team views this um, more seasoned individual that comes into the team, you know, to work and they don't feel comfortable just calling her Brenda. They call her Miss Brenda you know, and I mean, she may be one of the newer people in the practice, but for whatever reason, they just don't feel comfortable. Maybe it's an age gap or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I've had uh, another lady in our practice, Miss Helen. That's what we had for a long time. Um, and Did you she, call her? I didn't call her that. No, I, I, I don't call them that. And uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know that they might not take offense if I do call them that. You know, I just never have. I mean, or maybe I am totally disrespecting them by calling them as whatever. I, I have no idea, but Helen, like to you, she's just Helen. She's just Helen. Yeah, she still is. And I mean, I see her at church uh, a good bit, you know, so uh, she's been retired now for, I want to say seven or eight years now, you know, and, um, she, but she still has an impact on our practice. As a matter of fact, uh, Helen Strickland, that's her name. Uh, we have an award named after her in our practice. That's our practice of excellence um, award. And it's called Aww. the Strickland award. And she was our first recipient at that time. We just called it the practice of excellence award. And then I told her as we were, as I was handing it to her, um, I held up this little, one of those perennial plaques that have got all the little tags of every name for all the years to get it. I said, this is the last time this award is going to be given from now on. It's going to be called the Helen Strickland award. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. I bet she cried. She did. I did too. So, you know, it's one of those kind of things, but you know, it, it was nice to have something to honor her with, but at the same time, there are still enough people in my practice who know who she is. And when I say know who she is, know who she is because of when she was in the practice, not just know she is because she comes in once a year and sees me and hugs me and all this other kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's not that kind of, they get, they know what she's like. And to have that as this model to hold up in front of everybody is really nice because they, they know what that means when they get that award. It, yeah. it really means something to them. So oh, I love that idea. I love that. Miss Helen, this, and, and being able to tell the story, I love, I love, you can sell me anything in the whole wide world if you tell me a story. So like, just being able to be like, this, this plaque was named after Miss Helen, and she was, you know, this matriarch. <laughs> I love that. But I'll tell you, this, this really kind of goes into the whole Disney experience of things. I'll, I'll tell you a story about Helen. Um, we had this lady, uh, she was probably in her late 60s. Um, she had a, came in with a retinal detachment and I had Helen come into the room to, to set up the appointment with our retinal specialist. And I wanted her to be seen. It was early in the morning and I'd already called over and talked to the retinal specialist about, you know, seeing her. And he said, yeah, let's get her in today. You know, of course, 45 minutes away from Tifton though, to go to Albany. And as I'm but the lady didn't hear this conversation. This is back before we had cell phones in the, in the exam rooms with us. Um, so I, I just went off in the, my office and called and they said, yeah, send her on over. And so I go back in the room and I'm telling Helen what's going on. And I, what I'm not paying attention to is I'm talking to Helen. I'm not looking at the lady sitting in the chair right next to me. And she's got this look of horror on her face. I mean, I've already told her what was wrong and she was all, okay, okay, no big deal. You know, like this, but as soon as I talked, talking about going to this practice in Albany, now suddenly it's a just, Oh my gosh, you know, and Helen 
is watching me, watching her, watching me, watching her. And she finally goes, uh, excuse me, Dr. McElroy. She goes, are you okay, ma'am? And she goes, well, I, I, I don't have a way to get to Albany. And before I can even think straight, Helen goes, Dr. McElroy, can I take her? Aww. You know, and that's, that's what that meant. I mean, that's that kind of ability to care for people, you know, and she just yeah. is that kind of person, you know? So and that story gets told even to some of the new people, but not by me. It gets told by people who've been with me for a long time. Yeah. I love that so much. I love that. Like, that's the kind of, that I want to think that I would be a Miss Helen. I love that so much. I wonder if she's an Enneagram too. <laughs> She may be, I, I'm not as averse on the Enneagram as you, as you are, of course. And, uh, that might be a, say that again. It comes up in conversation all the time. I, I, I judge people like, I bet you're an Enneagram, whatever. And I, my husband is like, oh my gosh, stop talking about the Enneagram. <laughs> we may have to have you come back on and do an entire episode on the Enneagram because I'm sure there are not a lot of people who know about it. And in fact, the only reason I know about it is because of some of the podcasts I listen to, uh, with, uh, Ian Crone coming on and talking about it, uh, is the book he's got is it the road back to you. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So it's a, it's a great book for those of you who want to know more about Enneagram, but I think having Haley come back and talk about it would be really, really cool. We'll take a test. So that way they know each other and how to interact and communicate and all that. It's a personality test, basically just to keep it simple. Um, you've had, you talked about the last couple of years and the challenges and it probably posed a lot of constraints on you and your practice, but what was made possible because of all those constraints that happened to your practice? So you remember how I said that I had made all the mistakes with the first practice, right? Yeah. And then I kind of bought the second one to save the first one. Right. And so all of the debt that I had from how bad that first one went. I had just been dragging it along for, you know, those years that I had had the second practice. So when COVID happened, I had had probably a hundred thousand dollars of debt, like on a credit card that I was still just like trying, like we would pay the bill, and then we would have no money left to pay the bill for the credit card. So we would just wreck it up again. So like all of this debt from that first practice, when I say it is truly the grace of God that I am here today, <laughs> I'm not joking because so COVID happened, had all this debt on a credit card and I'm just like glued to the computer. You know, all those email threads that went across from um, the business of optometry doctors and just listening to everything that they were doing. Okay, here's what we need. We need to sign up for this EIDL loan and you could get this uh, grant. And I mean, just all of that kind of stuff. So I was on it like from the beginning. Okay, I'm applying for this EIDL loan. And so I think it was probably that full two months of like just sitting here thinking like, okay, I'm going to lose everything. I'm probably going to lose my house because I can't you know, can't, probably gonna lose my business, probably gonna lose my house. Um, but okay. I'm just going to keep fighting, like keep trying to hustle, keep trying to figure this out. That was truly my mindset. Keep trying to figure it out. Keep trying to figure it out. So then I go into the office to, um, a little boy's glasses had gotten broken and we had ordered them like right before the pandemic hit. And so he's like, can please get these glasses? So I go in to give him his glasses and I pull into the parking lot and I got T-boned by this dude. <laughs> pulling out of my parking lot he was flying and I had a concussion and I was just like I don't know that this could really get much worse that's I mean looking back it totally could have been worse but it, it felt like a really low moment like I'm about to lose everything I have and now I can't even try to hustle to try to save it because the doctor was like just lay down like rest so I was laying in a hammock and a friend had sent me this women's online bible study thing and it was a two-day event. And so I just laid in the hammock in my yard and watched that on my phone for like two days. And finally got to this point of, of like, okay, if I'm going to lose everything, then that is obviously your divine plan. And no matter what, 
I'm going to be okay with that because that plan is yours. I might get Terry talking about that, but that's your plan and not mine. In 30 minutes, I'm not joking, 30 minutes after I got that, after I had that feeling of like, okay, God, like, this is what's up. I got the email that I had gotten that EID alone. It was 30 minutes. Like to, just to think about like, you know, some people call that fate, but every, I'm not joking when I say like, I'm truly not the comeback kid. <laughs> I really think that I'm just supposed to be right here and I'm supposed to be doing this. And that just keeps on happening to where that can just keep on going. So what came out of the pandemic for me was I have this lump of money that I still owe and I am able to pay that back now because I got that loan. I was on the brink of losing everything before COVID and COVID in that aspect sort of saved me one more time. It reminds me of that story. And I've told this a lot, you know, Corey Ten Boom wrote the book in the hiding place. Are you familiar with that book? Yes. So they're in the barracks and there's the fleas are in there and they're infested with fleas. And her sister was like, we have to thank God for these fleas. And the Corey felt stupid for thanking God for the fleas, but it kept the agents from coming into the barracks so that they could have their Bible study. And that's what I kept saying to my daughters was COVID has kind of been my fleece. <laughs> So that's what came out of it for me. So when you look back at all this, is this how you thought it was all going to turn out? No, not at all. Not at all. It's amazing that I, yeah, it just, like I said, I, I, and I kept having those, like, and I feel so stupid for saying like, super telling you that story. And then within two years being like, I'm so tired and burnt out and, all that, that felt really selfish to say all those things. I just think it's natural human emotion. And if I just keep, and I kept it in my head, like, you know, you're meant to do this. Like, you know, you're meant to keep going. So stop feeling like that. Um, so yeah, it just, I'm in such a good place right now. I can't believe one, the emotional roller coaster the past two years have been, but two, that I'm still standing. <laughs> I, I don't think you should feel guilty for thinking uh, what you thought a minute ago about being sort of burned out on that. I think that we as business owners and leaders and whatever level you're at, I think that just the amount of decision fatigue for the last two, I've made more decisions in the last two years. And I think I've made in the first 26 years of my practice. It just seems like it at least. And they've all been, and none of them have been, you know, if we do this, it'll be okay. Kind of things. It's like, this is a life or death situation for this practice. If we, if you don't make this decision, right, it's over. Forget it. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, totally agree. I mean, it came down to so much of the point of like, <laughs> so I had a team member, she's pretty vocal and it's, it's really great. Most of the time, sometimes it's just really not, you know, and we're in our <laughs> office meeting and I'm, I'm, I've become a lot less of a rule follower over my lifetime, but I'm still kind of a rule follower in a lot of things, especially when it's something that can potentially ruin my business or, you know, take us off the planet. And the whole mask thing has been kind of a, okay, well, I think we should probably do with that. So two weeks before the end of the year, um, Dr. Harrison's very pregnant. Um, she's getting ready to, and, and she goes in the Monday before, Christmas and she's, Hey, you're not going home. We're going to do the baby now, you know, go home and get your clothes and come right back to the hospital. That's that kind of thing. So she's out a week earlier than she was planning on being out the first week back. Um, just because of new crazy turmoil, kind of stuff, stuff starts bubbling up. And this particular staff member goes, Dr. McElroy, this, these mass things, I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm just sick of it. I, I just, I've had enough, you know, and that sort of got the whole team kind of rumbling about it. And I said, look, we're, I said, what would it take for us to decide to do this kind of thing? 
you know, so we walk through a process of, well, you know, if, if a guest is going to wear a mask, then we're going to wear a mask. Is that okay? Can we still do that? Yeah, we can do that. So how are we going to tell people it's okay to wear a mask? Well, some people are coming in without a mask on anyway, and we're having to tell them to do it. And it's just getting tiring to tell them. And I said, so, okay, we'll just let our guests be our guide. And, you know, it, I agonized over this decision. It, it took me, you know, days to really think, okay, finally. So, you know, we talked about that on Wednesday. Um, the following Tuesday was my first, um, well, actually no, the following Monday was my first morning back on Monday because we had uh, switched my schedule up where I was seeing guests five days a week instead of the three and a half that I typically do now. So I can have time to do administrative stuff. And so, uh, I announced to the team, okay, starting today, no masks, you know, unless a guest, you know, we put our little, uh, placard out front that the state requires we do so we don't get sued if you know for if you get COVID in this place it's too bad you know this is the sign that says it's too bad for you and uh we're gonna do this I said okay and so that Friday the first person in my office tested positive for COVID oh. Oh. and then then on Monday I had I had 10 people working for me then on Monday four more people let me know over the weekend that they had tested positive for COVID. So now I've got five people and me. Fortunately, it's just me. It's not the whole office. It's me and, you know, five people. And we were, we were working hard, but we weren't killing ourselves. And then just about the time I'm getting everybody back, the other five people let me know that they have COVID and they all go home. So I'm with a completely different half of a team for the next week. And then finally, everybody comes back to work that following. And the moment I got the phone call from the first one saying she had COVID, I was like, that's it. We're all back in masks, you know? And it was a struggle for me. I, I felt like I'd let them down in a way. And I just really felt tired from the conversation of going through all this. Yeah. You know, and I think that there's been a, a lot of those kind of decisions we've had to make in the last year or two, yeah. or, you know, it seems like, um, so I, I don't blame you for feeling the way you felt. Yeah. Well, I just, it, it, I have lost. I mean, yeah, I think I, the other part of that too, is that I am such a people pleaser and no matter what with it, you know, making it whatever decision you make, somebody is not pleased, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's really hard to live. This is where I know I couldn't ever be a politician. I cannot live in a space where I can't try to make everybody feel loved. <laughs> and um, you just can't do that in COVID for sure. So what I want to do is make sure that we get, what's the one thing that everybody should get to hear from you before we finish up today? Oh, what is the one thing? I think that you, you got to get really in touch with like what your own, what, what are your values? What do you, what do you value? For me, that was, that's the exceptional patient experience and being able to spend time with my family. And so what does that look like? And I'm, I'm also, I'm preaching to the choir here too. What does that look like when it comes to your business, running a business, taking care of your family? Like, what, is, what does that look like? And dream about that a little bit. That's what I'm going to do because you asked me that question. You caught me off guard. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure I dream a little bit about how to go work for two weeks or go somewhere for two weeks and not have to worry about hiring somebody else. We're going to figure this out for you, Haley. We're going to figure this out for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for what this this is going to bring for you this year. Uh, and I'm so thrilled that you sat down with me today to talk. Thank you. I love, I just, I was so excited you asked me to. I love this podcast. It's one of my favorites. Good. Thank you. I have Listen, been, it was, go ahead. It was best to get connected to this right here because 
Um, I was going to do it my, at my office, and my staff is still there. They're supposed to be gone, but they're still finishing up a few things. And then my computer is about to die. And then I had to make sure I had all my notifications turned off on my phone. So this could be a hot mess. So we'll see how it goes. I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah, I I got I logged in on the Zoom link and it wouldn't it said the Zoom is unavailable and I was like, um, okay, so let's make one up right quick. So you know, just perils of technology. Get my husband out of the house and he he was like, you are a mess. And I was like, well, they one of the, I think Ted wants to talk to me about like how I'm a mom and organized and stuff. And he was like, I need to <laughs> he's like I need to talk to them because this is not 